What's going on, people? It's your boy, Kalechi, back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? We are back to finish out something we got started a few weeks ago, a little while ago, but I am excited to be able to hear the conclusion of this story, but more importantly, for us to be able to learn more about the power of giving. Remember last time we had uh, EA Solkovitz on the podcast, just talking to us about his history, talking to us about how he got started on this journey of learning more about giving, learning more about generosity, and why he has found it to be something so inspiring and something so important for him that he built out an entire business off of the back of just the idea of giving. So he's back on the podcast today after some technical difficulties that we had on the last one. I left y'all on a cliffhanger. I was on a cliffhanger too, because I want to see how this story plays out. It was such a good story hearing just about how he was going about to meet his mentor. So we're going to pick it right back off on that toe. Remember last time when we had the discussion, if you haven't heard that episode yet, please go listen to that. It was so good. And he goes through the story of me, uh, of meeting, uh, I think her name was uh, June, what, what's her last name? Martino. Martino, June Martino, and just how that completely just changed his mindset. So I'm gonna give the floor to him and let him just take this thing and take us on a nice little journey, just like he did last time. So EA, please, thank you once again for coming on the show. And I appreciate you for coming back on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I'm sorry about the cliffhanger to your listener, <laughs> your listening audience. Uh, but uh, I have to tell you, I'm excited to be able to share the rest of the uh, story and uh, and hopefully share some valuable information as well. Uh, as a side note, on the, when we did our first part, uh, you know, I was talking about June Martino and she had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's. And this past strong end, and I do, and I always call them. I don't believe in weekends, so I call them on purpose. I call them strong ends because I don't <laughs> believe we should end up weak. I think we should end up strong. We shouldn't end up weak. So it's sort of like a personal joke I always do, and I always I refer to Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as a strong end, not a weekend. But uh, so this past strong end, for the heck of it, I watched the founder again with Michael Keaton. You know, as nice. uh, Ray Kroc, and and I just you know I don't even know how many times I've seen it at this point. But it, but it, it actually is a really good view, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and and even though it's all a Hollywood spin, and and really Ray wasn't that way, but it's just interesting that uh, you know I'm sitting there and I'm looking, I'm thinking, man, there's the woman that, you know, just had such an impact on me, and and how important a mentor was, and I have a full appreciation every time June's on the screen because she's through the whole movie, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it, so it, it was just a great thing to watch it again this past strong end, and. Uh, and, and, and also the fact that, you know, here he was building something, you know, uh, uh, and, uh, and there was some really, some of the more interesting parts aren't even in the movie, by the way, but, you know, as a, as a side note of, uh, what, you know, what actually happened and how he, he, was, he was furious with the fact that he built this company, mm-hmm. Ray built McDonald's, right? They just had yep. one store. Yep. He built it into this monster and then had to turn around and buy it at the monster price. You know, I mean, he, he literally had to pay for what he built. What and, he had. Mm-hmm. And, and she said he was so furious that, uh, you know, and, and you know what he had to pay. And, and they don't reference the fact that the brothers, not in addition to the money, they wanted a Piper Cub airplane. They wanted an airplane, too, in the deal. So there, there's uh, just sort of a lot of interesting side notes. But uh, with that set aside, uh, for your listeners that haven't seen it, it's it's a really great view. Just keep in mind, a lot of Hollywood been ray wasn't that way but it is based on events that actually you know pretty much did take place they were yeah. they're just portrayed with hollywood spin not the actual event but it's a, good make view. It a little bit more juicy than it actually is yeah yeah for sure 
for sure. <laughs> and uh, you know, and you know, adding drama. And, you mm-hmm. know, do that. So, yeah. But it's a great view. And uh, the lady we're referencing is the lady that you know Ray's talking to outside his office, Michael Keaton, is June Martino, and that's who really made me first think. And I didn't even know what the word mentor meant, other than the fact that I knew she had a Ray Kroc, and I needed one. And uh, then with the janitorial service I was with, uh, you know, I finally, uh, you know, was on my way to meet my Ray Kroc, and had no idea that's who I was meeting because it was a janitorial service. I was tired. I was working, and you know, I was tired that day. And then uh, I go to, you know, it's after dinner time. It was already in the evening and uh, it had to be done that night. So I'm getting ready to show this man, this carpeting, uh, you know, that he needed for this jewelry store he was opening and he was leaving, going back to Detroit the next day. So I was the, you know, the, the only guy in the office that could go. And I went and here I am going to go. I'm getting ready to do a carpet bid. I've never done one before. I've cleaned carpets <laughs> and shampoo, put them in stuff. But here I am going to estimate you know, and with carpeting, you know, the grain goes a certain way, and it's not just, you, know, you just don't go in a room and measure this way and that way. You, you've got to make sure you compensate for the grain of the carpeting going certain ways, and, you know, there's a lot more to it than just the simple measure. So, and I didn't know how to do any of that, so I'm getting ready to go in blind, so I have all these reasons why I don't want to go. And, and I think that's one of the first things I want to share with your listeners. Be aware and be understanding and understand that sometimes the greatest event that will happen in your life will be wrapped up in something that at that moment seemed like such an insignificant decision and it was just it was so small it was like on the edge of a dime it was it seemed like nothing at the time and here I am you know giving myself all these reasons not to go meet this guy because I'm tired I'm exhausted I've never done carpet bids I've got this whole list and I and I, I go because of you know my boss telling me my janitorial boss telling me I could get off any Saturday I wanted. <laughs> so so here I am. So I meet this guy and I really had and it was amazing because I don't know if you've ever had the experience where you've met some met someone and your comfort level is so high you feel like maybe you already knew them like you had already met them. Have you ever had that happen where? You know, you just, you, you're just so comfortable with them and, and there's no explanation. You just feel like, man, I can talk to them about everything. I'm just like, yeah. cool. Yeah. When my, yeah. My best friend, uh, when we were, like, it took, it was one question that he asked. And since then we've been best friends ever since. Like we were both, I was 12. He was, he was, uh, 10 at the time. And it was just one simple question. And since then it was like, whoa, it's like we've been brothers forever. And I mean, literally at this point, we might as well be brothers because we do everything together like every single thing is like i'm i'm a part of his family he's a part of my family like they know us as like a set like we're always together so and it was like oh yeah i've known you all my life now of course we've known each other all our lives but at that point in time it was just like we had never seen each other ever and then it was just like one random conversation and now we're like that forever and ever but yes i i can at least with him i can definitely understand like whoa you're this have we have we met before is this is weird like yeah we're making the same type of jokes and it was just like, it was too easy for us to grow to grow together. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just like it was sort of meant to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and that was the feeling I had when I met this gentleman, Sam Robbins from Detroit. And so the carpet sale was a no go because we just had at the janitorial service uh, commercial grade for offices and that kind of thing. And he was opening a diamond store, so he wanted something real plush and you know some 
really nice carpeting and we just didn't have that. So uh, we talked for a couple hours and they're very comfortable and casual. And uh, I'm throwing the uh, you know samples back in my car because you know none of it was gonna work for what he wanted mm -hmm. and get ready. And, and at this time, by the way, it's it's gotta be pushing 9, 10 p.m. I mean, you know, it's late, later in the evening and uh, maybe even a little bit after that. And as I'm putting the samples in, he offers me a job. And I thought, you know, and, and I told him, I said, I don't know, I'm a janitor. I said, you know, I'm son of a milkman, a janitor. I don't, I don't know anything about diamonds. All I know about diamonds, I know two things and that's it. One, they're really expensive. Number two, some lady's gonna ask me for one someday. That's all <laughs> I know. That's all I know. And, and he said, well, I'll teach you, I'll teach you. I said, no, nah, I don't know. So here I'm saying no so many times this relationship. It's extraordinary. I, there's at least at least a half a dozen definitive no's I give between my janitorial boss and this guy. <laughs> and, and this is the thing I asked for. That was what was so exciting. I keep saying no to it, and it's the thing I asked for, right? Uh, and so here I am. As I'm leaving, I didn't know at this point that I truly was speaking with a puritanical genius, not not the IQ genius, and I don't believe in the IQ genius kind of stuff. You know, and I've met many, many educated idiots in my life. You know, just all this brains, <laughs> all this knowledge, and zero implementation skills. They have no, you know, no. They don't know what to do, when to do it. They just have all this book knowledge. So I call them educated idiots, right? And, uh, and, and they're pretty hireable and the diamond dozen everywhere. But a person that can execute execute something or implement something is way more valuable and always yeah. will be, right? Yeah. So I didn't realize I was talking to a gentleman here that was puritanically a genius in what I call human engineering. He's the kind of guy that can talk to you for 10 minutes, look you square in the eyes the whole time as though he's looking in your soul. And in 10 minutes, he's got you pegged. He knows what makes you tick. He knows, I mean, that was that kind of guy. And I didn't know that at this point. I just felt really great having this two hour conversation with him and not selling him carpeting. Right? So he offers me his job and I turn him down. And then as I'm leaving, he hooked me. I didn't know two years later, he knew exactly how I was going to at that point, react and not respond. I didn't learn the difference yet, uh, but I was gonna, he knew exactly what I was gonna do and he was right on the money. As I was leaving, I still remember the tone he even said it. As I'm walking out the door, he says, what do you have to lose? You could always go back being a janitor. And I said, no, I'm all set. People always make a mess. I can always clean it up. I've got job security, right? And I left. I actually left. So now, I mean, it's getting close to midnight now and I'm driving and as I'm driving home, cause I was going straight home cause of the hour and I'm thinking, and it starts to grind me a little bit. You know, what did he mean by that? You know, I, yeah, I guess I could always go back, but the way he sort of said it was a little bit snide. Like, you know, like, you know, I, I'm an idiot if I don't do this cause I can always go back being a janitor. I'm gonna find out exactly what he meant by So literally I worked myself up to this thing where I'm actually a little miffed at this point and, I, and, and I'm halfway home and I say, you know what? That's it. I'm gonna turn around and find exactly what he meant by that. So I turn around, I figure, well, you know, it's, now it's getting close to midnight. And, uh, you know, he was leaving in the morning going back to Detroit. And I thought, oh, he's already gone. He's left. No, he's still there. So I said, what do you have in mind? He offers me a job. We talk about it and we come to an agreement. And then for the next four months, I get in the car at 4.30 in the morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, and drive, and I still remember the mileage, 301 miles from Chicago to Detroit which was about six hours at that time and invested about six hours with him 
asking him questions, got back in the car and drove back to Chicago six hours, did that same thing in one day, every single strong end for four months in a row. I never missed the strong end. And I didn't know at that time he was testing me. And, and, and I didn't know. I would, all I knew was I didn't know anything about this diamond business. I was a son of a milkman, burnt out janitor. I had, to, I had a lot to learn. And I knew he knew that stuff. I could tell he was my Ray Kroc. And I just wanted to be a sponge. So for the whole six hours driving up there, I'm thinking of all these questions I can ask. I can ask him this and this. And I'm making lists of these. Qu- he had to feel like when I walked in, I was like a machine gun of questions. You know, <laughs> you know and he couldn't answer them fast enough before I had the next question. And then all the way home, I would ponder the the answers. The answers that he gave you. Yeah, and it, it was four months of great self-improvement, to say the least, because he was rewiring the son of a milkman, yeah. burnt-out janitor thought process I had, you know, mm. where I thought my big event was, you know, getting free songs in the jukebox, cleaning bowling alleys at 2 in the morning, you know. That was my big thing, you know, and escorting drunks. I, let me tell you. When you escort a drunk out from behind a bar that's passed out at two in the morning and they lock the place up with the guy in there. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, you just, you know, it's, it's like, oh man, there's got to be a better way to go. And here I am in June Martino's house cleaning it thinking, man, I'm doing something wrong. You know, clearly she knows something I don't know. And clearly mm-hmm. I'm not doing something she's doing. Right? Yep. So this man rewired me. This man became the father I never had, even though I had a father. I became the son he never had, even though he had a son. And I was so blessed to have him in my life for so many years as he just began to teach me so many things and, 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 and things I just, I just didn't know, you know, I mean, ignorant in the truest sense of the word, you know, not an entity ignorant. I just didn't know ignorant. Right. And I, I didn't even know the questions. I didn't even know the questions I should be asking, you know, but he was there and he helped me and put those wires together. And at the age of 19, uh, ripe old age of 19, I asked him the big question. I said, Sam, will you teach me everything? I mean, everything. Don't hold back. I want to know it all. Please teach me. He said, okay, but I want one thing from you. And I said, okay, what's that? I, I want you to know whatever he said next, I'm totally in yes mode. It didn't matter what he <laughs> said. I'm saying yes. I, but, I wanted that, but I just wanted to hear it for the sake of hearing it, right? He said, when the time is right, and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many people as possible everything that I teach you. So at 19 years old, I made a vow. I made an oath. I made a commitment to this man that passed on in 1991, and I still feel he's over my shoulder helping me every single day. And that's why I keep doing what I'm doing. And all of that has manifested into what we know now is Givers University. And that's how it came about. And, and you know, and, and from that, I, I learned what a mentor was. And I learned so many lessons. And some of the things that I can just share, just sort of some nuggets, I guess you could share for your yeah. listeners. Uh, one of the things he taught me was about being a giver. And he said, you know, people don't understand what give, being a giver is. He said, first of all, when you're a giver, People are going to take advantage of you. He said, expect it. He said, but here's the part no one gets. The second half of that phrase, no one hears or understands or know it exists. He said, the first part is, when you're a giver, people will take advantage of you. He said, but the second part is, when they do, 
you are never diminished, they are. Hmm. And he said, that's such a critical distinction to make. So the whole phrase is, when you're a giver, people will take advantage of you, but you're never diminished if they take advantage of you. They're diminished if they take advantage of you. And he said, and here's the part, you will always get back from another person, from another source, from another event, all the things you give. And he said, here's why. And he taught me about this really interesting scale. And he said, picture in your mind this scale. And this scale strives for balance. It will never be out of balance for long. It always gets back into balance. And he said, and on one side of the scale, on that side, you put everything that you possibly can ever give. He said, just heave it on there every way you can. And he said, and on the other side of the scale are all the things you're going to receive because a giver doesn't have to take. They're always going to be receiving. And there's a distinction, right? Yeah. So he said, what you want to do when you go through life? And he's training this burnt out son of a milkman. He said, picture this scale. And he said, and do your best through your whole life to try to get that scale out of balance by putting so much on the giving side. He said, don't worry about the receiving side. It will always balance and you'll always get it. He said, forget about it. Focus on the giving side and do your best to get that scale out of balance through your whole life. And you will get more rewards than you will ever be able to count. And I can share with you that I found those exact words to be almost prophetic in their nature because he taught me that our lives, you know, were like self-fulfilling prophecies. And he yeah. said, people go through lives and he said, and we go through our lives and everyone wants to know the answer. What's the answer to that? What's the answer to that? I want to know the answer. He said, wrong. Backwards, backwards, backwards. He said, don't worry about the answers. He said, the answers are always there. They're omnipresent. They're all around us. He said, what happens is people ask the wrong questions. He said, and when you ask the wrong questions, you're always going to get the wrong answers. He said, follow me with this. And they said, follow me down this path. If you ask the right question to the wrong person, you're going to get the wrong answer. If you ask the wrong question to the right person, you've asked the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong. He said, you want to ask the right question to the right person. He said, the answers are always and always will be there. Don't worry about the answers focus on asking the right question. He said, and people go through their lives asking the wrong question. And then they're surprised when they get the answer to the very question they asked yeah. when they say, nothing ever works out for me in my life. You know, guess what? And they'll say, why doesn't anything, right? And and the, because they've asked it, their life keeps fulfilling them and giving them the answer on why it doesn't work out. And guess what happens? Nothing works out. By the way, I got to rewire that in my mind because I don't believe that assertion. So, you know, and, and so by focusing on asking the right questions, our lives are indeed self-fulfilling prophecies. So when we ask the right questions, inadvertently, I didn't even know I did it. I stumbled on it because I was truly ignorant of it. I didn't know what mentor was, but I threw that out there after I met June Martino. I said, where's my Ray Kroc? Notice I didn't say I was never gonna meet one. Mm. That would have been a different question, right? And the wrong one. But just because I threw it out there, I said, where's my Ray Kroc? How would I meet him? Where's he at? It was all the right question. And, be, and sure enough, three or four months later, here's this guy who I'm saying no to everyone and everything, not real. It's the answer, all right? And I share that with people 
Focus on asking the right questions in your life. If you're going to ask a question, why don't you ask a question, how come everything always works out so perfect in my life? That's a great question. Now watch when those answers start to unfold to that question. Now what's funny is that at the time it may not seem like a true question. Yeah. But our mind doesn't know the difference. And it hmm. will and it has a way. I can share with you. You know, if someone looked through my bio, which still isn't as long as my last name, but I can, you know, <laughs> I get to work. But I can because I listened to my mentor. The things I'm going to say right now are not to be braggadocious in any way, but they're to show the power of the things he taught me and that I was just dumb enough to listen and I was dumb enough to believe him and apply him because I knew he had what I wanted. So at 23 years old, I became a millionaire. At 33 years old in 1989, that was the first year in my life, I earned a million dollars in one year. And that's not business money. That was personal income. After I paid my personal taxes, I had a million dollars in my pocket from that one year's personal income. And that was in 1989, which today is probably two and a half to three million. Now, did I do that? No, it was the power of what he was teaching me. And one of the things he shared with me, because I told him, he said, well, what do you want? And I said, well, I want to, I want to earn a million dollars, right? And he said, well, I'll tell you the first thing you got to do. And he said, what's that? You're going to have to get a million dollars. I said, well, yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said, but here's the funny thing. That'll be the easiest thing. He said, you want to know what the hardest thing will be? And I said, uh, I think so. I don't know. He said, this is the hardest part. Believing you're worth it. That's the hardest part. He said, once you do, once you realize that, he said, it'll be like one day you wake up in the morning and you look out your window and you realize how easy it is to earn a million dollars in a year. And he says, and it'll just, all, it'll be there over and over again. So you'll be astonished by it. And I can share with you, these things are true. And I can, and it was subsequently backed up for me. And again, I was very fortunate. I had a, a, a radio talk show for two years and I interviewed one over, over 1,000 millionaires in two years on my talk show. And they were all, they were all millionaires. They had to be a millionaire to be on the show. And you know, I interviewed three of them each day for five days a week for two years, right? It's over a million or over a thousand. Uh, and, and, and I can share with you that there were interesting commonalities with these people because that's what I was looking for. I wanted to find what's the common thread? What, you know, why these thousand guys plus thousand guys and gals, why did they all do it? And yet so many people strive for that and don't get there. Yeah. What, you know, what, what's the distinction? What's the difference? And they had amazing stories that were very similar, the same kinds of stories, such as all of them had a time in their life where everything told them to throw in the towel and stop. All of them, all of them, not, there was no exception. They all had a time period where something, where everything said, their family said, stop throwing the towel, this isn't gonna work. Their, their, their associates, their friends, their neighbors, the economy, the, the, their funds, their finance, the political arena, all, everything told them to stop and throw in the towel. They all had that story. Not one of them didn't. That's what, that, to me, that was astonishing. I thought, that's an interesting common thread that they all had that happen. And then that they all did the next thing. They all took the next step. 
And even when they told me these stories, what was interesting was that the, the next thing they told me, some of them even used the same words and they didn't even know each other, different industries, different parts mm -hmm. of the world, all that kind of stuff. And, and didn't even know each other and yet said some of the same words such as, they said, when I took that next step, when everything told me to stop, he said, and, and some of them said, you know, I actually took the next step to see if there was anything else that could go wrong because I think I hit them all. There was this, I, I was curious to see, did I miss any, right? It was like a morbid curiosity, you know, did I miss anything that could go wrong? Was there one still hanging out there I could still hit, right? And, they, and it, was, it, was, it was almost humorous the way they, and they're saying these same things and don't even know each other. They thought, man, this is really astonishing, you know, they, that they all had that. And, and then they said, the next thing that happened was, things almost effortlessly almost mysteriously started to come together on its own without, and some of them said, even in spite of me, it started to come together. And he said, it was almost like defeat said, this guy or gal doesn't know when to throw in the towel. They're making it too hard for me. I'm going to go screw up someone else's life. I'm going to leave them alone. And they said it was almost like that. It was weird, you know, and they, and all, and sure enough, all this, these huge amounts of success. So that validated something that my mentor taught me about getting ready of the F-bomb. He said, get rid of the F-bomb, right? And I'm thinking the F-bomb that most people think, right? And he said, the F-bomb is failure. I said, oh, that one. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I know, I know the F-bomb I was yeah, thinking was yeah. definitely not that one. That's I wasn't either. And I, and I said, oh, that F-bomb. He goes, believe me, he says, it's worse. He said, because here's why. He said, don't use the word failure. Get it out of your life. Don't even say it. He said, because here's why. It sounds too eternal. He said, failure. He says, it's got, he said, in your mind, learn how to begin reframing the way you see things and the things you say. Hmm. And he said, Instead of saying failure, use the term temporary defeat. He said, now temporary defeat, he said, you're going to get tackled in your life a thousand times. He says, you're going to get it. He says, expect it to be tackled, right? He said, but when you stand up and you call it a temporary defeat, you're going to realize you just got a first down. You're standing up. He said, when you use the F-bomb and the word failure, you're out, you're throwing yourself out of the game. He said, stay in the game call it temporary defeat. And he said, here's the part. This part was so intriguing for me. Again, I found it to be so true, profoundly true. He said, every adversity, not some, not once in a while, every adversity carries with it the seeds of an equal or a greater benefit. And he said, as a leader, what we need to do is when we experience temporary defeat, we have to step forward and move aside the leaves. Look for those seeds because they're there. He said, they're always there, not sometimes, always. And we will then begin to realize those seeds were exactly what we needed. They were the answers we needed that are gonna help us go forward and go up the next step. 
He said, so, and, and the next thing I'm going to say, this is going to bake the noodles. Some of your listeners, when I say this, they're going to say, this guy is off his rocker. He has just lost it, right? Said, they think this way in Michigan. I'm not going to Michigan, right? So, they, so this is what he said to me. And I can share with you, it's so true. And when you pause, when you first hear it, you go, oh, that's crazy. But when you pause and think about it, ponder on it, it starts to sink in and it starts to make a little sense. And then eventually it really makes sense. He said the following, when we really understand the role of temporary defeat in our life, that we've got to move aside those leaves. That's our part. We've got to do it. But he said, those seeds are always there. They're not sometimes there. They're always there. And they're the seeds we need. He said, here, here it comes. Here's the part, the noodle baking part, right? He said, when you really understand temporary defeat, you will begin welcome it and embrace it because it carries with it the exact seeds and answers you needed that without those seeds you never would have got to the next step up and he said and as you get your head around that he said you'll no longer come from a place of fear and saying I'm afraid to do this. What are my friends going to say? I'm afraid to do this. What are the neighbors going to say? What's everyone going to think? He said, you're not going to be coming from that place anymore. He said, that fear means nothing anymore. He said, because you're recognizing that there is no failure. It's a temporary defeat. And that temporary defeat's a blessing. It's got the seeds you needed. And he said, so the sooner you begin to learn that and you begin to harvest that faster and faster, you embrace the temporary defeat faster and faster. You welcome it faster and faster. He said, what happens is you're going to start running up that stairway to prosperity while other people are landlocked on a stair or are afraid to go up the stairs because they're so afraid of failure. He said, so just get rid of failure. It's a, he said, call it what it is. It's a temporary defeat. And the blessing of the temporary defeat is the seeds you have needed. And I got to share with you, these were critical, important life lessons that I pray your I pray your listeners take use these to heart and, and really begin to test these and watch they work and the the changes and the, the metamorphosis in their life is gonna be it will surprise them as it surprised me when I thought, man, this stuff really works. I mean it really it's exactly like he said. And then what happens is now we our confidence level goes up and then we say, man, this is this is not temporary defeat. There's there's I gotta just move aside these leaves and the answers I need are there. The seeds are there. Thank you. I got them now. Okay, next. next. Next temporary defeat. Bring it on. Is that all you got? That's nothing. You know, I mean, so, you know, so he said, after a while, we really embrace it. And then it becomes fun and it's joyful. So I share those with you as your listeners because these were really important lessons. And they're part of the things we teach at Givers University. You know, that we, we love teaching this. I mean, I hope you can see that. I just genuinely am very passionate. I love to be able to share these things because the rewards, when they come back and people say, you know what, I did what you said, that sounded so good. And I said, well, first of all, you did what I learned. You know, I mean, I didn't make it up. I didn't make this stuff up. You know, I, I was a, a conduit, right? And yeah. when my mentor said, I thought, I conduit. <laughs> I can work that right in there. But I so, <laughs> Hard to work that right in there, but I did. Okay. So anyway, the, <laughs> there's rare opportunities where you get to do that insertion. So, uh, <laughs> so I, 
it's just such a great blessing to be able to share these things and bring these messages to people. And I and I pray that I I, I hope that they listen to this podcast a few times and they say, you know what? That, there were some really interesting things there and maybe share it with some other people you know that say you know i you know that people that are feel down or they're feeling overwhelmed or they're stressed um and that sort of leads us to you know i guess what we sort of teach at givers university and the difference of how we what is the difference between a giver and taker and all those things mm -hmm. yeah and that's i guess that's a, that's the next step of just asking you like just in the whole aspect of what you've learned and what you've put into practice of dealing with failures and dealing with successes and how was that as you continually went on and using the lessons that you learned from your mentors how has that continued to frame not just your continual excitement to give but also how have you seen that actually propel you to higher heights or propel you to greater greater successes that you never even experienced yourself or you never thought was possible and and i will say and you're you're saying that exactly right a thousand percent accurate that you know, when I when I when I first thought these things in my mind, you know, I love I'm cleaning Jude Martino's house to go all the way back. I'm thinking, how is this possible? You know, how, how do people live like this? You know, I just I'm son of a milkman, right? And uh, and 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 I mean, I'm I'm cleaning this million dollar house, and I was 16. I'm 65 now, so that was a long time ago. You know, 50 50 years ago. How did that happen? Anyway, so the uh, you know you you do wake up one day and you look in the mirror and you go, man, how, there's my father. Okay, so the I, the things that my mentor taught me, and you know, I had I call it my three major temporary defeats in my life that each caused me to actually write a book so that my butt wasn't in that place ever again. Because <laughs> because some of the things as I was learning these things, I realized that they needed I, I needed to learn them at a much more granular level. When I say granular, what, I, what, I, what I'm saying is. A much more detailed level. So many things today that are taught are what I call broad, innocuous, nebulous references that sound so good and everyone repeats them. But when you sort of think about it, you go, well, that sounds so good, but what do I actually do with that? You know, I mean, how, you know, how do I apply that? It's a thing and it makes sense. So we began to then put together genuine checklists actual checklists that some of these we want to give to your listeners free we want them to have it because it's going to impact their life and we're givers university so we need to walk our talk on top of it <laughs> so but, but but here's some of the things that went with that and as i as i can sort of share to listeners as what we sort of teach first of all i say to your listeners we love everybody i say it emphatically we love everybody and what we teach is how to discern. We teach discernment in relationships. And what that means is as follows. We teach people how to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And then to separate those and by watching actual deeds, observing the things they're doing, not the things they're saying, but the things they're actually doing, it's a different observation. When we look at the things they're doing, we can begin to discern and now think, you know, because of those things I'm seeing them do, should I pull them closer into my life and have them become a part of my giver community, which we all want to build around us, a, a community of givers around each one of us, because givers bring with them the three W's of givers, wisdom, wealth, and wellness. 
or because I'm seeing them doing these other deeds, should I begin to respectfully distance myself? Not rude or nasty or insensitive. Yeah. Respectfully distance myself from them because if I bring them in closer, they're going to bring with them the three D's of takers, which are defeatism, disruption, and destruction. And if I bring them in closer, they're bringing those things with them and I'm going to become unexpected collateral damage. So I ask your listeners to think about these couple of things. Think about the fires that you stop out each day. Think about when your stress level goes through the roof. Think about when you have a conversation with someone. At the end of the conversation, you don't even remember what you said or what they said, but you do know one thing. You have no more energy left. They just took it off from you, right? All those things have one thing in common. There's a name attached to them. And no one today is teaching how do we discern in relationships who should I have in my life and who shouldn't? A, a number of interviews back, uh, this one guy said, wow, this is really great stuff. I love this. I just read this book. And this book said, uh, I need to have five good people in my life. And I said, you're right. You should. Question, which five? And he stared back at me with, you know, his little orphan Annie eyes, you know, blank look. And I think, and then I said, you see my point? No one's teaching us which five. They're saying you should have five, but so, which five? How do you discern? How do you know which five? So what we did is over time, condensing all the stuff my mentor taught me, condensing all the things I learned from these thousand millionaires and putting that all into courses in a series of courses that's called Give to Be Great. The first one's called The Giver's Mindset, How Givers Think Differently Than Takers. Uh, the second one's called The Giver's Lifestyle. They live differently. Givers live differently than takers. And the third one's called The Giver's Lifelong Learning. And we identify the six virtual prisons that people are walking around in and they don't even know they're in prison all day long. And they don't even realize they've erected these prisons around them. So this whole these series, of course, called Good to Be Great is what we make available through Givers University and Teach. And there's audio recording so people can listen to and from work. And, you know, I mean, it, it's meant for, uh, you know, uh, transit kind of learning, if you will, you know, with 20-minute recordings through all of them, et cetera. And through the course of all of this, to give sort of an explanation that, first of all, when we use the word giver, we don't, we're not labeling a person, we're labeling their deeds. When we say taker, we're not labeling a person, we're labeling their deeds. And what we have is actual checklists, and this is the way I would explain the checklist. If right now I, I, I looked at you and I could see, you know, your eyes looked a little itchy, maybe your nose was running. From observing those symptoms, I can see the symptoms. I can maybe assess that, well, maybe you have a cold, right? I'm not able to see the cold, the cold caused it, right? Yeah. But I can see the symptoms and from that, I can make that assessment. Yeah. If you plant the symptoms, with deeds, we teach people, observe the symptoms, observe the deeds, and from that, you learn about the cold. Yep. You learn about who they are. So we actually have checklists, checklists that they can follow, print off, carry it with you. This will help you discern in your relationship when you see them doing these things, begin to discern, should I pull them in closer? 
or should I begin respectfully distancing myself because they're going to make me collateral damage? I'm going to be stomping out fires. My stress level is going to go up and that's not the way I want to live my life. I want to have people around me where they're giving me energy and I'm giving them energy back. I don't want to have energy drainers around me. And I don't want people that cause my stress level to go up through the roof because I'm constantly, you know, like the person walking at you and you go, oh boy, here they come. You know, I mean, just right, that same kind of thing. Respectfully distance yourself from them. So yeah. we teach people this is a skill. It's a skill that's simply not being taught. We're, we're in this world today, businesses opening and closing faster than ever before. Products being antiquated overnight by other products faster than ever before. So what's left? Our relationships. And no one's teaching us how to discern in those relationships. I'm a self-improvement geek. I'm positive you're a self-improvement geek. We love self-improvement, right? We like yeah. to improve. Yep. But no one's teaching us, how about the other guy? What if he's not doing it right? What should I do about that, right? No one's <laughs> teaching that part. So we welcome these people in our lives and, and then we're wondering, all this damage is being done around us because no one taught us what to look for in advance on how to either supplant those people over time with givers or how to not welcome them close to us in the meantime. That doesn't mean you just respectfully distance. That's all. It doesn't mean like you ignore them and ruder and sensitive. You just don't pull them in tight, you know, because they're going to bring with all the things you're going to be doing. Defeatism and the uh, destruction are always going to be there. They bring it with. So that's what we teach with the Give to Be Great courses. And we want to share with your listeners. We want them. To, we, we have free downloads. We want them to have. There's no cost. There's no obligation. Real simple. They go to our website. It's giversuniversity.com. It's plural. Giversuniversity.com. On every page, there's a place where they sign up for our newsletter. Just sign up for the newsletter. There's no cost. It's absolutely free. And we are not spammers. So they will get something in their email right away that says, do you want to hear from these people? Say yes. Because immediately after, they'll get their first download. And the first download is called The Six Arrows That Takers Shoot at Givers. It's a great, it's an actual checklist. And when people look at it, they go, oh, this is so good. I mean, because they start to realize you know, I call it the uh, the green car, the green car theory. The green car theory goes as follows. You never realize and recognize how many green cars are on the road until when. You get one. You're getting ready to buy one or you just bought one or you got one. All of a sudden you say, man, look at all the green cars. I never said. And they were always there, right? They were always there. We just, our, our awareness wasn't focused on it. Yeah. And the same thing happens with these checklists. When people see it, they go, oh, I got it. Oh, that's really good. We want them to download it. A couple days later, they're going to get a uh, probably one of my favorite checklists. It's called the 25 Do's. It's 25 actual deeds on two pages in checklist form that they can print off and put in their pocket to help them discern and what they should be observing that other people do to help decide, should I bring them in closer or is this someone I should start to respectfully distance? Because they're not helping the situation at all. And they, in fact, they rarely do. So as a, so we want them. In. And then every Thursday after, we don't hit you. Know, I hate that. I sign up for something. And next thing you know, I'm getting 10 emails a day from <laughs> and, and that's, first of all, it's rude, you know, because it's like you're thinking I'm only getting emails from them and no one else. And uh, and, and so I unsubscribe, unsubscribe. You know, I'm just unsubscribing <laughs> these people because I, I think, you know, why'd you do that to me? But so we send out one email once a week. 
never not fun. It's always, it's usually on Thursday morning. It's called the Giver's Toolbox. It's a short email. Usually there's a, we, we do a weekly uh, two minute, literally a two minute recording. When I say two minutes, I mean one to two minutes. And it's called Discern. That's the name of the thing. Every week, every week we do a, one new one and they can click on it and listen to something new about discerning. Uh, and, and, and the last one, as an example, the one last week, I'll just share with your listeners. Um, it was, it was about happiness and that my mentor taught me happiness is not the absence of stress. It's the proper management of stress. We're never not going to have stress in our life and stress can be a good thing. So when we manage it right by reframing it, that's where the happiness comes in. It's not all this thing. People say, I want to have stress-free living. Well, your, your life's going to suck if you have stress-free living, right? And it's just that simple. But if we learn how to manage it right, yeah. we can look at very stressful things and smile at them because of how we how we've reframed it. So they get, they get, and it's called this. So this newsletter each week is called The Giver's Toolbox. And the purpose of it is every week we want to share with those that have subscribed a brand new tool for their discerning of their relationships that they can put in their relationship toolbox every week. And we, and it's a once a week, every Thursday thing, just that simple. And so, and so every Thursday they get that and it, it's for us, it's a joy to be able to give it. And, and yeah. some of the feedback from people say, wow, I really needed that. Or I sent that to a friend of mine and they thought, you know, that was something I really needed to hear, you know, and they needed to hear it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, so, and, and, and we want your listeners to get those gifts from us, uh, with your compliments, your podcast. And, and one of the couple last things I'd like to share with you is some of your listeners may be thinking, you know what? I got someone in my family that is being a little takerish and they need to, someone needs to have a conversation with them and this needs to come to an end, but they don't want, you know, they're afraid to, they love mm -hmm. them. Yeah. They don't want to hurt their feelings. Yep. But they know it needs to be discussed. Do you know one of the best things they could do? Is they could share a podcast called The Ramblin' Mind with them. Here's why. All they have to do is simply say, you know what? I heard this really thought-provoking podcast. Yeah. Do me a favor. Listen to it. Tell me what you think about it. You never know. Their mind may open up. They may yep. get a couple of those checklists because a great part of that checklist and all those checklists they're going to get is there's a self assessment part that's automatically built in and they go yeah. oh boy number 17 Ooh, that's got my name written right on it there i need to do something about it. <laughs> yeah. so and you and you never know it may help those people as a direct result by being able to you sharing your podcast with them so for your listeners we hardly recommend share this information get it out there so that people can discern in their lives and watch what happens when you have the right people around you and you don't have as many takers where you feel like they're taking from you mentally, morally, spiritually, and financially because that's what they do. Yeah. You'd rather have people that are givers around you. So uh, I hope I hope that those are some good nuggets there for some of your listeners. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I really, really appreciate just everything that you shared in this podcast. I know a lot of what you were saying, I was just like, yep, this definitely resonates of just the idea of uh, I listened to somebody, his name is uh, Gary Vee, and he talks about something very similar where he says a lot of times we're so scared to give because we're so worried about getting taken advantage of. And just like you said, of just like it don't when you give, you're not being taken advantage of like you're given. That's the whole point of giving. Like, so you're not being taken advantage of. So it was just everything you were saying was just so reminiscent of just some of the things that I've learned myself of just like, yes, this is 
this is definitely like in flow with some of the things that I've heard in the past for sure. So I definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast to share all of so first of all, the story was awesome. <laughs> just hearing this, I was sitting here like the whole time, just like, just like this is so and this is so much fun. And then just you breaking down the aspects of giving and how that has propelled you to where you are now and just some of the lessons that you're packaged together to then share with other people. I just want to say once again. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And before we close this out, I'll just say, do you have any last uh, pieces of advice that you want to share with everybody before uh, I let you go today? Happy, happy to share uh, something that my mentor, God bless him, Sam Robbins. Thank you so much every day, man. Uh, the, uh, he shared with me and he got me to do this. He talked me into it and he said, say these three things If you really like it, start saying it for the rest of your life. I can share with you that these three things I say to myself every day, and I have for the 45 years ever since I started doing it, and it had a profound effect on me. So I share these with your listeners that they may want to consider begin saying these three things themselves too, because watch the power of our words. You know that statistically, we have eight. 18 million 250,000 separate little conversations with ourselves in our mind every year up to 35 per minute every day I say the number again because it's astonishing 18 million 250,000 separate conversations with ourselves in our mind every single year no one can tell me those words don't have impact on our life that's a lot of conversations yeah these are the three phrases that my business mentor taught me to say and i pray that your listeners begin to start saying these to themselves and watch them work and they are as follows i will never give up i will keep rising up and i will always overcome i will never give up i will keep rising up and i will always overcome I like it. I like it. I like it so much. Once again, thank you so much, EA. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing so much of your knowledge today with us. There's so much stuff. Guys, I'm going to have this link down in the show notes for you to go check out. Go check it out. Get some of the check uh, the, the checklist and just start learning some of these things and implement it in our lives for us to, as we like to say, we're a group of generous givers on this podcast. We want to be generous in everything that we do, which is part of the reasons that we talk about personal finance. And so we can help those around us, not just for us, us ourselves, but also for those around us. So once again, EA, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing so much of your knowledge with us. And guys, remember to say three words is I will never give up. I will and I'm forgetting the third one. I will never give up. Can you please remind me what the other yep, two were? I will never give up. I will keep rising up. I will keep rising up. And I will always overcome. And I will always overcome. So guys, I will never give up. I will keep rising up. And I will always overcome. I love that so much. I'm going to listen back to this podcast to make sure that I remember those words because those are extremely impactful words, especially in the world that we are right now. And it can help us I know that's one thing my mom always says is like, watch the things that you speak into existence with your mouth. So yes, definitely. I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always rise overcome. up, overcome. And I'll always overcome. I'll have to learn it. I'll have to You'll learn it. You'll get it, man. You'll get it. I'll get pleasure. it. 
Yeah, thank you so much. But anyway, guys, I'm going to catch you up in the next one. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed. God bless each and every single one of y'all, and we're out. Peace.